0: What would you do if you're home alone and one night you hear the sound of a child crying out in the darkness? And then we travel to the year 1676, where a young nun is found unconscious in her room, her face covered in black ink, and on her desk a note written by the devil himself the day on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Freezing cold though. Super, super cold. I'm going to try to record this episode as fast as possible because I have a heater running in my bedroom. I'm going to take my laptop, I'm going to edit it, BAM! Let's see if I can record this in one take, half hour, probably won't, but let's see if I can at least get it close. You might hear the occasional sound of me rubbing my little paws on my pants to keep my hands warm. Currently wearing thermals, pajama pants, jeans, a coat, a coat inside, it's that cold, a little baklava from my ears. I'm cold, but... You guys want an episode? I want to record an episode, so let's do this. Our first story. Let's hop on board the Carpenter Copter, guys. Get on board. Got to scrape the ice off, put the de-icer on the helicopter. We're taking off. We're headed to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This first story is actually a recommendation from Scaryman Esquire, longtime listener of the show. Thank you so much, Scaryman, for this. We're headed to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, specifically the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This one's going to be a little spooky. So, we're on board the Carpenter Copter. We're flying out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's nighttime by the time we get there. And we're going to land in, like, this soccer field, right? They're still playing soccer. They're like, oh, look out, look out. We look out for no one. Crush we pop their only ball. Whole city of Pennsylvania. Wait, that's not a city. Whole city of Pittsburgh is like, aw. I'm like, no more soccer. We're strutting off the helicopter. Boo, Soccer. And we're walking around the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We see all these little houses and dorms and apartments and stuff like that. And we see across the field, we see this young woman kind of looking outside of her door. We see she has a scared look on her face. Not scared because of us. Not scared because she really loves soccer balls and she's afraid that we're going to pop hers. We just notice she's kind of spooked out. So we were like, hey, lady... Hey, us, yeah, we're total strangers, but we're going to come in and talk to you. So we walk over into her house, and she's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I just heard the craziest noise outside my door. Now, this is something that's been happening all over. I shouldn't say all over. So this is what's interesting. There are four, you're like, Jason, there's a big difference between all over and four. But hold on, hold on. There are four known reports of this in the south side of Pittsburgh. And you'd have to say that it's possible there's only these four. Or other people have experienced this and they haven't gone through the trouble of reporting it. But four reports have come through. Primarily college students. Generally later in the evening. Sitting at home. Doing your homework. Looking up the physics of a helicopter. A helicopter landing gear on top of a soccer ball. You're like, my thesis is the helicopter will pop the soccer ball. And then, outside your door... Help me. Help me. Help, help. Help. Help me. Help. Help. And you're like, what? What? Huh? That's weird. Normally, those voices are coming from inside my head. But now I'm hearing them out in the darkness of my door. They're not shrinking. These aren't the voices of people in 1950s movies slowly shrinking. Help me! You're like looking for ants that they're writing on the back of. People are hearing the sounds of babies or toddlers crying and young children calling out for help. Help now! Help, help me! You get the point. You get the point. I don't think I, I. I think we've all heard children calling out for help. Hopefully, not in real life. Kids are, like, falling off a cliff, and you're like, theater of the mind, my friend, theater of the mind. Ah." In movies, I mean, right? I don't think I've ever heard a child in real life go, help, help me, but I would know it if I heard it. So anyways, they're calling up the police. You open up your door, or maybe not, maybe you just hear these horrible noises outside. But either way, there's nothing out there. And the police actually issue. people are calling up the police, the police send units out there, because, you know, it's, it's something that you want, there's no, if someone's keying your car, you want the police to be able to take care of that, but unless you're the one doing the keying, then you're totally fine with it, but nobody's pro-children screaming in the darkness, like, no one's gonna be like, what a waste of tax dollars, The police showed up and there was nothing there. Well, I hope the next time a child begs for his life, the police don't show up. That'll teach them. Like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it's either a prank or something scary. Police are showing up, and they don't know what to make of it. They have not caught any suspects. They have issued these statements. The police, this is from the Pittsburgh Deputy Public Information Officer. This is Kara Cruz. She's Lois Lane's cousin. Um, here's the quote. Uh, Police have received multiple reports recently from people in the south side area of the city of Pittsburgh who hear what sounds like this is interesting. I should have stated this too before I got into this quote. It's not the sound, it's not the sound of a child crying outside your door. It's the sound of a recording of a child crying outside your door. So th- marinate on that for a second. Let me go back to this quote. People have received multiple reports recently from people in the south side area of the city of Pittsburgh who hear what sounds like a recording of a baby crying or a child's voice asking for help. Zone 3 officers, that's not some sci-fi, <laughs> that's not some like sci-fi hologram cop thing. Zone 3 is the area this is taking place in. Zone 3 officers have responded to each call. In each case, four altogether. Officers did not hear the sound or locate the source of the sound. However... We ask that anyone who hears something similar to these reports call 911 immediately. No one from Pittsburgh police will be commenting on this at this time. So they're definitely taking it seriously. They're not saying it's a prank so much as if you hear this, call us. But we're not answering any more questions about this. So they want to get to the bottom of it. It's not like they're like, oh, we think it's some fraternity frat prank. They actually want to get to the bottom of it. The question is this. And and this is an ongoing story. This thing's happening right now. Right now, it's happening outside your house. If you turn down the volume of the podcast, you'll hear it. Help me, help me. But here's my question. What's creepier to you? The sound of a child in the darkness outside your house. Help me, help, help me. I'm assuming it sounds a little more realistic than that. It's not obviously the sound of a 43-year-old man imitating a child's voice. It's the sound of a child's voice. But what's creepier? The sound of a child's voice outside your house in the darkness, or the recording of a child's voice outside in the darkness. Because let me say this. If there's a kid outside your house calling for help, this is what I I personally think the recording's creepier. Because if there's a child outside your house calling for help, theoretically, you could run out and help that child in the moment. But if it's a recording, ugh. Whatever they're calling out for, what's ever causing their misery, has happened long ago. You're just hearing an echo of their pain. So I think on that level, I would much rather... Exp- I don't want to hear either one, honestly, but if I was in my house and I heard someone going, help, help me, help me, and I opened the door. Now, if I didn't see anyone there, I'd think it was a ghost, but when I'd hear that noise, I'd think, maybe I can go out and help this person. But if it sounds like someone's just playing a tape recording, that means somebody's already done something awful. It's not an incident where someone might need my assistance right now. Someone's already been hurt and in trouble, and that situation's been resolved. And I'm just hearing an echo or a memory of that pain coming from the shadows beyond my house. And there's nothing I can do to save that person. So to me, that's way creepier. Let's go ahead. Speaking of creepy, let's move on to our next story. Now, our next story is one I just found out about today, and it's absolutely fascinating to me. We're leaving the south side of Pittsburgh. Hopefully, this mystery is solved. Hopefully, it's just a prank. No kids were harmed in the making of this wacky escapade that's going on, hopefully. But we will keep you updated as we leave Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. (laughs) So, we leave the city behind. We're headed off. To Sicily, Italy. And we're going back in time to the year 1676. <laughs> Helicopter is flying over a convent. The Palma di Montecario. I have no idea. Palma probably means like hand, right? And Montecario. Monte is like... Well, there's the Count of Monte Cristo. So Mont Mount... So maybe that means, like, the, the, and Charo means darkness, right? Aw, oh, man, if this story's fake, either my, my, either my Italian's really bad, or this story's fake, or both, but Palma di Montecario, does that mean, like, the Hand of the Dark Mountain Convent? Maybe. But anyways, let's forget that that, let's forget that that might be like a, the whole time I was reading the story, I thought this story is too good to be true, so I was looking for anagrams and stuff and some of the, some of the names, I didn't even think about that, now again, like I said, my Italian is non-existent, I don't know any, Palma di Montecario could mean all sorts of stuff, but anyways, I hope it doesn't mean Hand of the Black Mountain, because then that's just a creepy convent and it would make us think this whole story's fake, but We are land, I vetted the story as much as I could, because again, I was enthralled by it today, and looked it up in a bunch of different sources, seems to be accurate, but, but anyways, let's quit building it up, we're gonna land at this convent, and we're walking around, the nuns come out, and they're like, hey, people, let's, like, shaking our hands, whatever nuns do, do they bow, I don't know, they do something, (laughs) they greet humans in some way or fashion. And after we're done doing the traditional nun greeting, they're like, hey, do you want to check out the convent? It's a pretty cool place. It's on the spooky black dark mountain in the shape of a fist, of God's fist to punish all the evildoers. It's holding a giant ruler. We're like, oh. And it's scarier because the rulers in the metric system, because we're in Italy, we're like, double. We go into this convent. We're walking around. They're showing us all this stuff. And they're like, this is where we like do pray, right? And then this is where we... Like, do some more praying because we're nuns and that's all we do. And we're like, oh, it's pretty interesting. And then we come to this, like, room and we go, what's in there? And they go, oh, that's just Sister Maria. And as they're looking over at their notepad file on their computer, they're like, uh, yeah, let me look that up. Uh, that is Sister Maria Crocifissa Della Concezino. And then we're like, we're like, are you sure you pronounce that right? And the, and the head nun, whatever they're called, the Mother Teresa person, the mother, the head, head mother, the din mother. Anyways, she goes, um, I guess I I spent so much time trying to prove this story to be true or false. I didn't even look up basic nuns, nun facts. The Mother Superior, that's it. Mother Superior goes, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She, before she came to the nunnery, she was known as Isabella Thomasy. So, anyways, Isabella Thomasy, A.K.A. Sister Maria, Crocifissa della Consiends Zion, and we're like, can we check on this chick? We want to see if she has such a wacky name that no one can pronounce. Knock on the door, and we don't know she's not getting up. We're like, that's kind of rude. We're knocking again. Come on, open up. We want to talk to you. We we want you to like, I don't know, preach to us and stuff. What 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 do nuns do? And she's still not coming in. So Mother Superior gets her master key. And she opens up the door. And there is this young nun. She's in her, like, 20s. Mid-20s. Laying on the ground. Unconscious. So she's not making a noise. And we run over and we're like, Wake up, wake up, dude. You're, you're like, something's wrong. You're not dead. So we can see you breathing. And she's, like, rolling around. She's like, oh, man. What? And she rolls over. And her face is covered in black ink. She's like, oh, man. That was unexpected. But then we remembered back in time, they didn't have, like, pins and stuff. They just had a bunch of ink laying around in, like, little bottles. And when you wanted to write something, you took something sharp, like a feather. Because I've, I, I, I I've seen this in movies, okay? I'm not an ink inkologist. You take a feather or something sharp. And you stick it in the ink. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you. You guys have seen the same movies I have. Anyways, her face is covered in ink. And there's a bunch of ink like on the table. And um, then there's a letter on the table as well. And so she, we help her to her feet. She's all slipping in the ink. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then we let her fall because it's funny. And she's like, jerks. We help her back up. And we're like, dude, what happened? Well, you're like knocked out. You're all covered in ink. Like, what's going on? And she goes, you won't believe the night I had. You won't believe the night ad Go pick up that letter. We we pick up this letter, and it's completely indecipherable. It's a combination of Greek letters and Cyrillic letters. Cyrillic, Cyrillic, Cyrillic. The C-Y-R-L-L-I-C, Cyrillic. Anyways, it's a bunch of those letters too, right? It's Greek letters and, and Cyrillic letters and a bunch of other letters that nobody can decipher. And we're like, What is this? Like, what were you doing? And she goes, dude, uh, it totally sucked. Can I at least get a towel to wipe this ink off my face? So then we give her a towel, and she gets all clean. And then she comes back and tells us this story. She said, last night, I was just chilling in my little convent hole, praying and stuff, right? And the devil came to me. And everyone's like, The devil wanted me to write a letter. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then the devil started to, like, beat me up. Now, okay, so here's the thing, right? Uh, Obviously, we're sitting in this monastery in 1676, and we know these people are, like, super religious. They've given up their life for their religion. It's not not super Dark Ages time, but it's definitely not, like, the most enlightened time. It's kind of that in-between phase. I think the Renaissance was kind of in full swing, but still, like... 1676 in a, in a nunnery. You know, we're just kind of looking at each other. We're like, oh, you know, yeah, the devil came to you and like beat you up and made you write a letter. Now, the letter is gibberish. You can see it in the show notes. It is, it's written out as words and sentences, but makes no sense. And you're like, Jason, you can't even pronounce the word Cyrillic or acrylic or whatever. How do you know what their alphabet looks like? Well, even back then and even today, they're saying it, it just doesn't make sense. So we have this basically an art, a uh, uh, letter written in gibberish that conveniently fits on one page from this woman who was all by herself, who deeply is deeply deeply devout person. Satan shows up, beats her up, and makes her write a letter that nobody can decipher. So we're kind of like, it's kind of like speaking in tongues, like what's going on here? And she says, so the devil wanted me to write this letter. Now, I know what the letter says. So we go, what does the letter say? And she goes, I'm not going to tell you. But I know what it says. It actually makes sense, but I'm not going to tell you what it says oh okay so now again super suspicious there's one word that is decipherable in the letter oh me like oh me or alas is another way it's been translated but other than that everything is this weird language and she said that was the one time i was able to break satan's control and i wrote oh me on there or ami, me it's it's written it's in italian "Ah, ah me oh me but anyways, that is where we're at with that. Now, she says that she wrote it. She says that it was dictate, dictated to her by Satan. Satan made her do it. She broke his control for just a minute. She wrote, oh, me. Then she became paralyzed, and he made her finish writing it. And she, And then at that point, the church elders got a hold of the letter, and they believed her story. They said, we actually believe this, like, the way this is structured, we think it says something, but she won't tell us what it is, and that's that, really. Now, before she she died 14 years later, and she said in that time period, Satan came to her two more times, wanted her to dictate more letters, and she wouldn't do it, and Satan beat her up. She wouldn't do it at all. The first letter... She kind of had to, like she got beat up and then she wrote it down. And then he appeared two more times and she would never say what the letter was supposed to say. And she didn't write the other two letters. But she ended up, the church elders did believe her story. She ended up getting venerated. She wasn't a saint, but people really believed that she had this bizarre connection to God. And over the centuries, two possible theories popped up regarding this letter. One. It was a letter that Satan wanted to send to God. Satan wanted to send a message to God, but didn't want to do it directly. So he had to use an intermediary, which would have been Sister Maria. But Satan didn't want any human to know what the letter said, so he wrote it in this crazy language. When I find that kind of creepy, to me that reminds me of something you would see on an episode of Supernatural. Now again, this story's throwing up a lot of alarm bells for me, and this is one of them. Because that involves, there's something so fictional about that like it doesn't necessarily make sense but it's a kind of a cool gimmick where you could have a story where you have satan and god these two supremely powerful figures having to use little people us to send messages back and forth and then this would be the prologue and then eventually you would jump to the year 2020 and you would have sabina a 16 year old girl in idaho who doesn't have a really good home life and she's not good at school and then she becomes the messenger of satan and you have this whole and then she meets these really hot guys and they start fighting over her and then one of them turns out to be an angel the other one's just like a billionaire you know and and it would, you could see this mythology being born out of this this idea of satan simply wants to send a message to god but he can't do it directly he has to find you know what i mean like it sounds too good it sounds too interesting it sounds too much like an episode of supernatural or a series of teen novels the other theory is that the devil actually and again this kind of falls into that fictional thing that maria was some sort of prize and the devil was trying to torment her directly by getting her to write this letter and that's why he kept appearing to her and not other people and the devil and god were fighting over her devil wanted to break her soul and god was testing her letting him try this she ended up dying in her 40s, so she did end up dying quite young. But the, the letter was kept, the letter was steadied for centuries, and people just thought gibberish. Eventually, people started to say she was probably having some sort of mental breakdown because the cloistered life was so hard. You know, you're going, you're just praying all the time, your knees hurt, you're dressed in all those drab clothes. It's not the best place for someone who might be a free spirit. She joined the nunnery when she was 15 years old. And she just might have had a mental breakdown. And you have the skeptics believing that. You have the church believing this was a legitimate letter. And now we travel to the year 2017. And all of that stuff was, I think, an interesting little story, right? And normally that would be the way I'd start off an episode. Until 2017. 2017. Again, people studied this letter for a long time. 2017. There is a museum in uh Catani, Catania, Sicily. Catania, Sicily. It's the Luddum Science Museum, and they came across software, a basically a cryptography software, a code-breaking software that was developed by the government of Turkey to crack ISIS codes that were being used on the deep web. And someone gets the bright idea: what if we took this program that's used to crack These near indecipherable codes that terrorists are using to plan attacks across the world. What if we use this program to decipher this letter from 1676? What do you have to lose, right? It really would prove if the letter, if you're using this advanced cryptography program and the letter's gibberish, then the letter is gibberish. But what could happen if you ran this program? now? I'm about to read you this translation, because this actually worked. There is a bit of a little asterisk to this. So so there's a listener named Ennio. He sent me a bunch of stuff recently. A lot of it involved the region where he's from, which is in Italy, the Friuli region. Because we did an episode a while back on the, the Benedonti witches and warlocks. He's from that area. He's not a witch or a warlock, at least that I know of. But he sent me a bunch of stuff. I found this story on a website, he said. He didn't directly send me the story, but he turned me onto this Italian paranormal website. So thank you for that. I'm about to read you an English, a Google English translation of an Italian website that's trying to translate something from ancient Greek or classical Greek and Cyrillic. I think that's how you pronounce it, actually. Cyrillic alphabets run through a Turkish design program to crack Isis codes. Okay? But I'm going to read you the quote that I have and then I'll read you what people think this means. So this is trippy. Letter written in 1676. Here we go. Of symbols that I who claws live go. No source a misfortune perhaps. Now certain sticks and then there's two words that are unpronounceable. Since I Christ Zoroastro follow the ancient ways. Or seamstresses sown by men. Oh me. Restore me to serve nobody. This is ballast. System are the three a god that I feel free mortals. Z. This is why they are always. The fact that you're even able to get that much. That is comprehensible. Real words. From gibberish written in classical Greek. And that other language, that no one was able to translate. Because, and I should say this, they could look at the letters and go, those letters make sense, but they're not spelling out words. So they look at the Greek letter for alpha, and they go, well, we know what alpha is. But that word that it's in, it doesn't make any sense. It was written in a code. And you go, but Jason, that's just a string of words. This is what people think the letter is, is meaning. I got this quote from another article. God thinks he can free mortals. This system works for no one. And it also says that that's just one part of it. They're also saying that there are words, like when it's talking about Christ, it's talking about God. It's talking about Zoroaster, which is another ancient deity, old, old world deity. When it talks about the river Styx, when it makes a reference to Styx. When it talks about the seamstresses sown by men, People believe the letter is making a reference that God, and when it talks about the three a uh, God that I feel free mortals, that God and the Trinity are made up by man. is sown by men, and that's when she writes, oh me. Like, that's when she interjects. This letter is basically saying, God is made up. The Trinity is made up. I find it absolutely bizarre that anything came out of the letter. And it's funny, when I was reading the article, I thought, well, this is interesting, a, a nun had a nervous breakdown and wrote this. But then when you jump ahead for, what, four or five hundred years, run a computer program, and something decipher, not only does something come up, something comes up that makes sense in the context of the history of the letter. It's not alphabet soup, yum, yum, yum. It's a nun saying she got this letter from the devil, and the letter is in code saying, God doesn't exist. It's all a joke. Now, I've... Now, it's... This story really does sound too good to be true. It's been reported. It's it's a pretty obscure story, but it's been reported in a lot of places. The actual letter being translated, that was reported in the Mirror, which is a British newspaper. And um, Life Science actually did an article About the translation. So it's not a movie hoax. That I know of. It's not like the mountain devils that we covered. Or you know the Bigfoot. Beating people up and then getting shot. Which turned out to be fake as well. Lone Pine Devils. That was a story that ended up being a viral marketing thing. Which we covered on this show. This story appears to be true. Let me say this. Let me back up. The story, the elements of the story appear to be true. There was a letter. That for four or five hundred years was indecipherable. That was recently run through a anti-intelligence, cryptography, code-breaking software. And it came out with a message that is related to the story of it being written. Those elements are true. Your mileage may vary on whether or not the devil showed up in this young nun's room and forced her to write this letter. But I think it's highly possible that's what happened. Highly possible. Is it possible that the people running the program had an interest in getting a certain message out? Sure, possible. But it feels true. The devil saying God doesn't exist, that's nothing new. The devil trying to tempt humans, nothing new. Break their will, distort their faith in God, nothing new. But the devil showing up forcing a woman to write a coded letter, even him knowing full well, unless she revealed the contents of the letter, it would be indecipherable. That's all new ground. The devil putting out a message that no one would know about for hundreds of years until technology had advanced to the point where it could decipher ink, On ancient parchment. There's a couple questions that come up, obviously. One, why Maria? Two, why this message? Three, what were the other messages that Maria refused to relay? But the most important question, I feel, is this. Could it happen again today? Is it possible the next time that you're home alone, sitting in your room all by yourself, the inkwell is long gone, but your laptop, your tablet, your phone is always accessible. And when you're alone in the dark, you feel that presence just outside of your field of view. It has a message it wants you to deliver to the world. A message that will destroy the faith of all around you. Will you have the willpower to fight the urge to write that letter? Or will you be convinced by the darkness? Will you just become a tool of the Prince of Lies? deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio twitter is at deadrabbitradio deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it everyday but I'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys